You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Yo, ho, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 154 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to another episode. It is Friday. It's the end of the week. The weekend is here, and we have a fresh new episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. What else could we ask for? Uh, We are going to dive into Patriots, 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 wait, and... You guessed it, Patriots preseason game number one. We want to reflect and react everything related to what we saw last night in their twenty what was it twenty three to twenty one loss against the Giants. I don't care. I really don't care who who wins or loses that game. Pats could go three and zero or they can go zero and three, and I'm not going to care. I'll get more into that because preseason is developmental. It is meant to see who can do what what you have, what you need to work on, what are your strengths and weaknesses, and then obviously evaluate your own players here and there doing this and doing that. But before we dive into anything and everything related to their preseason game against the New York Giants, we do have sad news that was announced, and that is Patriots running back James White announcing his retirement from the NFL. Absolute stud uh, of a you know third down pass catching running back throughout his entire career and I just want to spend a few minutes to kind of reflect on everything that he was able to do throughout his career with the New England Patriots so in 95 games well first of all he was drafted in 2014 in the fourth round 130 overall and in 94 uh, 95 games he caught 381 balls for 3278 yards 25 receiving touchdowns uh, a 74.6% catch percentage. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, se- se- three quarters of the time you go to him, you're going to make a, a completion. And just think about all the countless times that Brady threw the ball in the dirt because a screenplay didn't develop. And, you know, quarterbacks do this all the time. You know, They'll just kind of throw the ball at the feet of the receiver or the lineman or whatever when a play breaks down. So just kind of picture how many of those kind of, you know, happen. So maybe that 75%, 74.6 should be 80%. Uh, who knows? Uh, not known for his rushing, but I do want to compare James White to another excellent third down pass catching running back that the Patriots had for a very, 
very long time. And that is Kevin Falk. Now, it's going to be hard to compare apples to apples because Kevin Falk was also a little bit of a uh, rushing threat as well. Not, you know, he was no, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he's no Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But he does have some pretty, you know, sizable rushing stats. But let's just compare it to the receiving uh, spectrum of it. And in Kevin Falk's 13-year career, Kevin Falk had uh, 431 receptions, 3,701 yards, 15 touchdowns, and his catch percentage was 75.2. Again, just think about how many of those were kind of thrown at his feet when a screenplay broke down. And the reason why I bring him up because I do want to do a little comparison between the two because they're fairly comparable when you look at their entire career. Uh, receiving, Kevin Falk had 573 targets. James White had 511. And that's a little bit behind. Keep in mind, Kevin Falk played 13-year career. James White played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight-year career. In his rookie year, he didn't really play that much. Kevin Falk had 3,701 receiving yards, whereas James White had 3,278. Um, the touchdowns, Kevin Falk had 15, James White had 25. And the catch percentage favors Kevin Falk just a little bit. I mean, if, if James White played as long as Kevin Falk did, we would have to sit here and say that James White is the best running back that the Patriots ever had, at least in recent memory, right? I mean, we could look at, I don't know, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. I'm just trying to think back in recent memory. Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Garrett Blunt. I mean, those guys were, some of them were okay. <sighs> How about Lawrence Maroney? How about that one, right? Then you have you know your Corey Dillon's, your Corey Fal- uh, your Kevin Falks, Curtis Martin. I mean, yes, James White again wasn't a rusher in terms of being a running back, but he was beyond excellent at what he did. And I really want to highlight his performance in Super Bowl Fifty One. Super Bowl Fifty One. That was the game the Patriots came back to beat the Falcons from twenty eight to three, where they won thirty four to twenty eight. And as excellent as Tom Brady was and as deserving as Tom Brady was for Super Bowl MVP that year James White without James White that comeback simply does not happen it just doesn't it does not happen listen to these stats six rushing attempts for 29 yards 4.8 yards per carry with two rushing touchdowns nothing to to cough at right I mean you know the two rushing touchdowns excellent How about this, though, for his receiving numbers? 16 targets, 14 receptions, 110 receiving yards, 7.9 average, and one receiving touchdown. Plus, one of those rushing touchdowns that I mentioned just a little bit ago was the game winner. Oh, he also scored on one of the two-point conversions as well. So it is beyond crazy to not say that James White had a tremendous career here with the Patriots and again that comeback does not happen without James White and you could arguably say that he deserved to be Super Bowl MVP not trying to take anything away from Brady it usually favors the quarterback 
This year, Cooper Cup got it for the Rams, but no one really played excellent. No one, you know, threw 400 yards, five touchdowns. Was, Cooper Cup had a good game. You know, two receiving touchdowns, I believe it was, plus a big, big uh, dagger, you know, one of those deep balls over the middle of the field. But, oh, my goodness, James, it's it sucks to see James White go because I loved him so much as a player uh, when I was playing – Flag football in undergrad at college. I try to resemble my game around a, diff- a bunch of different players. One of them being James White, com- kind of coming out of the backfield. You can flex him out outside into the slot even. And it- it- he was a fun guy to watch. And again, that Super Bowl comeback does not happen without him. And he's an integral part to that- those three championships that we won in the 2010s. Uh, not so much a factor in 14 because that was more Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen had an excellent performance himself. He had like 13 receptions, 100 yards, touchdown or so. I mean, you could even say that Shane Vereen in 2014 deserved to be Super Bowl MVP. But again, Brady won that year. But yeah, James White, man. I mean, 20. Let's see, what, what would be his best year? Probably 2018. That was the year that they went to the Super Bowl against the. Was it against the Eagles? No, wait, was it? I'm trying to think. No, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl against the Rams, 2018. He had 87 receptions, guys, 751 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns as a running back. Those are wide receiver numbers. Uh, That's crazy. And then to boot that, he had 94 rushing attempts for 425 yards, five rushing touchdowns. I mean, that was by far his greatest season in his career. He missed a lot of time last year. He only played in three games because he broke his hip, I believe it was, or fractured his hip, dislocated his hip, something with his hip. And he's been on the PUP list to start the training camp. And he's just, I don't know if it's because of injury, so he's hanging it up, he can't recover, he doesn't feel right, whatever it may be. It, it doesn't matter what his reason is. I'm so happy for him. I'm so thankful I was able to see him play here in New England and only in New England. He was a team leader. He was a captain. He was soft-spoken, but he showed by example. It's just really disheartening to see a guy go of James White's caliber because I've said this countless times here on the podcast and even at the shop too. Last year, Mac Jones would have thrived if he had a James White and a Julian Edelman, a excellent slot receiver in Julian Edelman, but an even better Third down running, uh, third down pass catching running back in James White. Yeah, they had three games together, but one of them, James White, got injured. So let's just call it two and a half. And I really think Mac Jones would have had an even better career. Yeah, you know, Brandon Bolton was nice last year. Stevenson was able to catch a few balls out of the backfield last year. But obviously, none of them compared to what you got from James White over the course of his career. So I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about James White and again reflect on his career. It's still. It's incredible to look at his stat line from the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 51, and just to think, wow, what if we didn't have this guy? What if he didn't perform this well? What would the outcome have been? And honestly, probably would have lost. Probably would have lost. But, hey, congratulations, James White. Best of luck on your next endeavors. But let's do pivot to football here. And I do want to talk about Patriots preseason game number one. It is in the books. And I'm going to first start off by saying this. I'm going to start off by saying this. Giants won on a last-second field goal. Whipty freaking do. Bill Belichick had all three timeouts. He didn't call a single one. 
I am not. I don't care. I don't care. Like I said, the Patriots can go 3-0, 0-3. I don't care. But it is a little concerning, though, that Bill Belichick didn't call any of those timeouts under the two minutes when the Giants were marching. You could have called your three timeouts, left yourself a minute, and you could have saw what your offense can do under pressure, under the two-minute drill, or I guess under the one minute. All the same thing. I would have liked to see what the offense could have done. I think it would have been really eye-opening to see what you know, what unit you had on the field at the time. Obviously, it's like the second and third string unit can do. Obviously, you know, Mac Jones and the starters didn't play, but it still would have been nice to see, like, all right, you know, Bailey Zappi can move the ball under pressure with no timeouts. Okay, you know, Christian Wilkerson can be a guy that you can rely on in, you know, a situation like this. And again, of course, you're going against the other team's second and third stringers as well, guys that aren't even going to be on the roster next week, or guys that aren't going to be on the roster, you know, to start the season. But So you have to take it with a grain of salt. you got to take the performance by both sides and all players with a grain of salt. Again, that's why preseason is excellent for developmental reasons, for visual reasons, so you can work on little things. I think the two-minute drill would be an excellent thing to work on. I know on the radio people were saying, thanks, Bill, for saving me five minutes of, of time so I could sleep in five minutes more and not call on those timeouts. But it definitely would have been interesting. And I'm sure Bill saw enough. He just wanted to get out of there, see you later, prepare for Carolina and their you know joint training camp and the preseason game next week. That's all dandy. But, I mean, you have – I mean, you can practice this stuff, of course, in, in practice, but why not get real live reps of what it could look like? I don't know, throw Brian Hoyer back in there or whatever with the offense and see what he can do. Obviously, Brian Hoyer is not the quarterback long-term. He's here more uh, for Mac Jones and to be the mentor. And might I say, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, Brian Hoyer literally looks like Tom Brady in the pocket. He looks like Tom Brady in the pocket with all the little things that he does in the huddle, under center, line of scrimmage, in the pocket, throwing the ball. He looks like Tom Brady. You could give him a blank jersey, throw him in the pocket, and I swear I would think that's Tom Brady. I mean, Brian Hoyer was under Brady's tutelage to start his career, went off, was a starter, came back, was backing up Brady. Now he is backing up and mentoring Mac Jones. So it's a great you know career for Brian Hoyer, to say the least. But wow, it is just stunning. But nonetheless, you guys don't want me to talk about Brian Hoyer, do you guys? I will say, again, grain of salt, guys. Take this with a grain of salt. Christian Wilkerson, Trey Nixon, little Jordan Humphrey. They looked good. They looked pretty good. Again, um, second stringers, third stringers, footlocker employees, grain of salt. Take it as you wish. But they looked pretty good. And looking good is a huge step. Again, it's a huge developmental step. It's a huge step in progression. I'm very pleased to see that they were able to perform at a decent level. Them performing well in preseason game number one against Scrubs is better than sucking against the Scrubs. Wouldn't you agree? I do wish we saw a little bit more from the run game, though. Pierre Strong got six carries, 25 yards. Taylor, five carries, 16 yards. Kevin Harris, six for nine. Uh, very underwhelming running performance especially where you took Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris in this year's draft. 
J.J. Taylor. It was the second, third year now. You'd like to see him take a jump. I know he's kind of a, a fringe player that could get cut this year. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Wilkerson, eight receptions, 99 yards. Trey Nixon, four receptions, 81 yards. Little Jordan Humphrey, six receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, a lot of people are talking about. Didn't play much, but he got two receptions for nine yards, including a touchdown. People are just gassing up his speed. And his speed is real. Maybe not as fast as me. Oh, well, JK, guys, JK. But he has, he looked okay out there on that touchdown play. He looked more than just a speed guy that can just, you know, run right down the field and just burn the guy. He looks like a guy that, you know, has a little bit of route running abilities, who has some good hands. I mean, he's lengthy. He's skinny as anything. He's skinnier than the pen that I'm holding right now. I'm he's, Like, his legs are skinnier than this pen. So it'll be interesting to see what his weight, size, and strength will kind of correlate to your Jalen Ramseys of the world, your uh, Marlon Humphreys, whoever. You know, just those bigger, stronger physical cornerbacks. Because if Tyquan Thornton does kind of excel a little bit i mean he might get some you know mismatches or some matchups on the outside so they the other defense doesn't get burnt deep so it'll be very interesting to see how the wide receiver room shakes out because you have Devonte parker jacoby myers kendrick Bourne, nelson aglor tyquan thornton low jordan humphrey trey nixon and christian wilkerson that's eight guys eight guys am i missing anybody I don't think so. But that's eight guys. Eight guys aren't going to make the, the roster. There's a lot of rumors floating around out there that the Patriots could look to try to get out of the Nelson Aguilar contract by cutting him or trading him or whatever it may be. I'm all, I'm all for that because I was never a big fan of Nelson Aguilar to begin with. I think he looked okay his rookie season with the Eagles. And then he you know sucked and then he went to... I think they were still the old. I still think they were the uh, Oakland Raiders at the time. I'm not sure. No, when when did he? I think I think they. Were, I think he played for the Las Vegas Raiders. Whatever, doesn't matter. Same team. And he looked good. He played great career year, and then uh, all of a sudden deserves to get a bag. Not a fan of that. And I was never a fan of the signing, anyways. He didn't look that good last year. Neither did Jonu Smith. But hey. Maybe another year in the system, another better year of Mac Jones. He could progress. But I would be remissive if I didn't say I would rather have Christian Wilkerson or Trey Nixon over Nelson Aguilar. I don't know about little Jordan Humphrey. I I don't know. The name is fun. I would have to wait and see more. At least with Nelson Aguilar, he's, he's seasoned. He's a veteran. You know, he's been in the system longer, obviously. But I would definitely rather have Christian Wilkerson or Trey Nixon over Lil' Jordan Humphrey. So let's just say Aguilar's out. You got Parker 1, Bourne 2, Myers 3, Tyquan Thornton 4. And, you know, if, if Aguilar's out, you could go Christian Wilkerson 5 and Trey Nixon 6 if you wanted to carry six receivers. That's not the worst thing in the world. I like that group right there. I don't see Wilkerson or Nixon 
making the practice squad or at least surviving waivers to go to the practice squad. I really don't. A little Jordan Humphrey, if he was to be placed on the practice squad and he was picked up by somebody else, I wouldn't be all too butthurt about it. But he's a guy that I could definitely see making the practice squad. Again, Nelson Aguilar is kind of holding things up because you're not going to keep seven receivers. You may keep six receivers with Aguilar, but now you're only looking at one, Wilkerson or Nixon. And I don't know if either of them make the practice squad through waivers. Trey Nixon, maybe, because Christian Wilkerson has showed some flashes. He played an excellent game last year against the, yes, granted against the Jaguars. But still, take it with a grain of salt. It's better than not looking like anything. Christian Wilkerson played better in that game than Nikhil Harry did in any of his career games with the Patriots, regardless if it was Brady, Newton, or Mac Jones throwing him the football. So I'd rather have Christian Wilkerson. It, it's going to be interesting. The, the developmental receiving room is going to look very interesting between, obviously, the start of training camp till now, until... When the final 53-man roster needs to be set. But let's just jump to the running backs, for instance. Now, with James White retired, it does make the conversation a little different than it would have been before. Because before James White retired, you're looking at Damian Harris, Stevenson, and James White as locks. You just drafted Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris. Now, one of them is probably going to make the roster. The other was more than likely going to the practice squad. Now that James White is gone, or maybe even both of them make the roster and you carry five running backs. I mean, that's also possible. I just don't see the Patriots carrying five running backs and six receivers. I just don't. At least on the active, the 53-man active roster. But with James White now retired, you have Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as your two locks. You have Pierre Strong, and Kevin Harris, who can be your three and four running backs. And yes, that does leave J.J. Taylor to be that fifth running back. But guess who didn't play in last night's preseason game? Who's kind of a Swiss Army knife, someone that we need to talk about more. And that's Ty, uh, Ty, Kwan, Ty Montgomery. Running back, receiver, Swiss Army knife, dual threat, wide back, whatever you want to call him. Kind of like a James White-esque, kind of like a poor man's Debo Samuel, kind of like a poor man's Cordero Patterson. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Is he both? Sure. It gives you a little bit of flexibility, so if you only want to carry Harris Stevenson, Kevin Harris, and Pierre Strong, okay, Ty Montgomery can be your fifth running back. If you want to carry Parker Bourne, Myers, Aglor. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. 
and Wilkerson, I guess, and Ty Montgomery can be your sixth wide receiver. Ty Montgomery is a very interesting piece to this puzzle for the Patriots' skill positions. Tight ends, I could care less about right now. Uh, I'll get into it, though, but Ty Montgomery can either be your fifth or sixth running back. He can either be your fifth, sixth, or seventh wide receiver on your roster. Similar skill sets to James White. Again, poor man Cordell Patterson, poor man Debo Samuel. So it gives you flexibility. If you want to keep Christian Wilkerson and Trey Nixon, fine. J.J. Taylor's got to go. Maybe Kevin Harris has to go to the practice squad. And then Ty Montgomery could fill in there. Or maybe Ty Montgomery just simply doesn't make the roster. And I really don't think he would have if James White didn't retire. Again, that would just been too many... Uh, mouths to feed you would have had Harris Stevenson James White what Pierre Strong Kevin Harris JJ Taylor and Ty Montgomery that's too many guys that's seven guys say Kevin Harris makes the practice squad say uh, I mean let's just say Pierre Strong does make say Taylor's cut Strong makes the team now you're still looking at five receivers that's five running backs excuse me so the whole James White retirement does shift the conversation a little bit. Nelson Aguilar potentially getting cut or traded shifts the conversation a little bit. And then on the other side of things, Ty Montgomery. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Shifts the conversation. Can he make the, uh, the roster? Will also shift the conversation in another direction and even further. A lot of things have to go into this formula to figure out what the 53-man roster is. And that's one of the glories of preseason and this time of year is to figure out who can do what, who needs to improve where, where are we at as a team right now, what do we look like as a team right now, how can we get better, how can we get faster, stronger, more intelligent, etc., etc. Since Ty Montgomery didn't play last night, and the starters on offense didn't play last night, I'm going to kind of assume that, I don't want to say he's a lock to make the team, but I'm going to assume that he is way further closer to making the team than he is not making the team because if he was a fringe player I really do feel like we would have saw him out there if James White didn't retire I feel like we would have saw Ty Montgomery out there last night for the Patriots but with James White now retired could we see Ty Montgomery fill that role for at least the immediate future who knows what Pierre Strong, J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris are going to look like or develop into. But maybe Ty Montgomery fills that void for the foreseeable future, at least. That's a conversation that we need to have. Now, the tight ends. Another interesting topic of discussion. And real quick, guys, I really hope you are enjoying this in-depth breakdown of the New England Patriots. Running backs, receivers... Obviously, we're going to get into the tight ends. Obviously, breaking down preseason game number one. I really hope you do enjoy this in-depth analysis of everything Patriots-related exiting preseason game number one. I would love to do this next week after preseason game number two as we'll get a more clear idea of where a J.J. Taylor or a Nelson Aguilar or a little Jordan Humphrey stand within the roster in the 53-man construction. So... If you guys are enjoying this and you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. If you are enjoying it, reach out to me via social media at Murph's Cardtown on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about, reach out to me. 
via social media. And again, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, smash the thumbs up button, comment down below, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing just yet. But tight ends, though. Tight ends are a, I don't want to say tricky. I feel like it's the easiest conversation to have because A, there's less guys, and B, two of them are, are surefire locks in Hunter Henry and John o. Smith. We haven't seen anything from Devin Asiasi. We haven't seen anything from Dalton Keene. Matt Sokol had to play all the tight end snaps last night. He's the only active tight end on the roster. He had a reception for four yards. But what is his true, real ceiling? Who knows? With the disappointment that Jonu Smith was last year, in the emergence of Hunter Henry, to be honest, and he played excellent last year, we have to expect that Jonu Smith is going to play better. It's going to be hard not to play better than what you gave us in 2021. Hunter Henry, I'd like to see more receptions, more yards. Obviously, the touchdown numbers were excellent. But then what about that third guy, your backup? Because I do foresee a lot of two tight end sets this year. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, getting them the ball. Again, Jonu Smith the ball because so, he's good in the open field. He's a good carrier. Hunter Henry's obviously a nice blanket, red zone threat for Mac Jones. But what about that third guy? There's always a third guy. Patriots drafted Devin Asiasi, I believe, in the third round in 2019, 2020. I forget what year. Um, and then they drafted Dalton Keene in the following round. So they both came into the league together, and they've both done nothing together. One of them may make the roster. Both of them may not make the roster. But here's Matt Sokol, who's playing, and I didn't see many highlights of him. But there's, again, an interesting conversation piece. There's only five potential tight end options. Two of them are already on the team, and that theoretically leaves just one tight end spot remaining. Who's it going to go to? And quite frankly, I have no idea. Who do I want it to go to? I have no idea either. I mean, none of the names stand out to me. None of those names... Asiasi Keen or so-called get me excited. I will tell you this real quick though. Fun little story. So it was uh, September maybe? I think it was September. Maybe October. I forget. I was reaching out to some athletes here in the New England area that were on the Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, and or Patriots to have a autograph signing at the shop, to have a guest signing at the shop. I thought it would have been a cool idea, great way for, to get the name out there and to get people down to the shop to meet whoever and, you know, get a picture, get autographs, etc. Now, one of those guys that I reached out to was Devin Asiasi. And last year, obviously, you know, we... Didn't know much. We knew a little bit about him, but nothing crazy about him. And I reached out to his agent, and the agent got back to me. And they wanted like $5,000. Now listen, I don't know what a typical autograph guest costs. I know I've seen Brian Scalabrini at the Mohegan Show. I've seen Josh Uche at the Springfield Show. Jaron Duran was at New England Picture. You, there's guys out there, and obviously at the National, there's a, a 
50 people at the National doing autograph signings, whether they're legends, superstars, Hall of Famers, GOATs, current players, active, whatever, bums even. But I'm thinking to myself, now, he's a guy, let me just look up his career stats real quick. Let me just look up his career stats, and you guys tell me if this is worth $5,000. Now, this is not a knock on Devin Asiasi. This is no way near a knock on Devin Asiasi. It's just, he got drafted in 2020, by the way. This is nowhere near a knock on him. But, the dude's played in 10 career games, 9 in 2020, 1 in 2021. He has 7 targets, 2 receptions, for 39 yards, 1 touchdown. Not bad. By the way, those 7 targets, 2 receptions, 39 yards, and 1 touchdown came in 2020 with Cam Newton. Last year he played 1 game. That was it. Now, again, this is not a bash on Asiasi. I'm not trying to be a, you know, a dickhead here. But ask yourselves, is that worth $5,000? Is he worth $5,000? No, he's not. And how much would that have been worth? I mean, obviously, 2021 just had started. So, you know, those zeros across his stat line didn't exist at the time. But he was also injured. And I was just starting out, and I didn't have the extra cash to kind of throw around. I was still trying to build inventory, wax, cards, supplies, just inventory. Plus, at the time, the shop's name wasn't out there like that. It wasn't out there crazy like that. I ha didn't have the customer base and the community here at the shop like I do now. $5,000 to get him down. Plus, I would have had to buy helmets. Plus, I would have had to buy jerseys, 8x10s, 16x20s, mini helmets, footballs. I would have had to bought a ton of extra stuff on top of the $5,000. So, you know, people usually bring their own stuff as well. But I would have had to, you know, some people like to show up and be like, oh, yeah, I'll just get a football. I'll just get a, a jersey. Oh, I would have had to get jerseys too. I forgot about that one. Jerseys is another one. Then on top of... All of that, I would have had to pay to advertise it, which I don't know how much that would add up to, but 5,000 plus X plus Y, it just didn't make sense to me. So that's just my little quirky story about Devin Asiasi. Again, I'm not trying to bash on the guy. I'm just saying uh, I talked to his agent. They wanted $5,000. and I was like, I don't know. If it was like $1,000 plus I had to get all those all those things, plus advertisement, I still don't know if I would have done it. I still don't even think I would have done it. Now, if he showed some promise in 2021, or at least in his rookie season, maybe was dinged up a little bit one of the other years, fine. But, I mean, the dude just has the, the same amount of receptions as you and I have. So I just didn't think it was worth it. But that's, a, you know, I digress. That was a little side story. Hopefully you guys were entertained by that. But let's just talk about the offense as an ent entity, as a whole entity. How did it look? It looked different. It felt different. Bailey Zappi performed well, 19 for 32, 205 yards, a touchdown and an interception. First career game in the NFL. Didn't look terrible. Didn't look excellent either. 
but it's game number one, and you'll take it. And he's not going to be your starting quarterback. Now there's Brian Hoyer. But it's definitely something to build upon. It's better than going 100 yards with three interceptions, no touchdowns. That's for damn sure. But I will be intrigued to see what the roster, at least on the offensive side of the ball, looks moving forward. I'm really interested to see. Obviously, the quarterback structure is already set. The running back room, top two guys, Harris and Stevenson, already set. What are the other two, three, maybe four spots look like? Who knows? And then the receiving room, again, what about Aguilar? What about Wilkerson, Nixon, Humphrey? What is that wide receiver room going to look like once you get past Parker, Bourne, and Jacoby Myers? Tight ends. John o. Smith and Hunter Henry are locks. But what about Asiasi? Can he prove himself? What about Dalton Keene? Can he prove himself? Matt Sokol, can he improve and impress? So it's a lot of questions exiting week one. But these are all good questions because, yes, there's a lot of certainties, revol- uh, uncertainties revolving around this team. But, yes, we did get a preseason game under our belt. We were able to see what the product looks like at this current moment. We were able to get a taste of you know, what these guys look like in starting roles, like a Wilkerson, a Nixon, a Humphrey, you know, a Pierre Strong, you know, what they look like in starting roles. But again, what's the future of Nelson Aguilar? What's the future of Asiasi and Keen? What's the future of Ty Montgomery? There's so many different questions exiting this game that obviously weren't answered in game one, that obviously weren't going to be answered in preseason game number one. But these are questions that we can look for answers over the coming week as they, you know, continue, you know, training camp, as they have their joint practice with the Carolina Panthers. And then, of course, as they have their preseason game with the Carolina Panthers next week. So there's a lot of questions revolving around this team, and that's a good thing. I don't expect it to be perfect. I don't expect it to be figured out in week number one, especially when your offensive starters aren't playing. So, you know, we take what information that we have, what data that we have from game one, what we saw from the players that were out there, and we'll, you know, revisit this next week and we'll talk about oh yeah Pierre Strong did this oh yeah Lil Jordan Humphrey did that oh yeah um whoever looked good here whoever looked good there you know maybe this person needs to improve there however the conversation may roll this is a great building block for next week's conversation this is a great building block for the Patriots exiting preseason week number one going into preseason week number two and hopefully those adjustments can be made so when they do against when they do play against the Carolina Panthers next week they look better they look faster they look stronger they look smarter they looked better because there's obviously going to be flaws there's going to be mistakes from the quarterback from the running back from the the receivers the tight end the line there's going to be a lot of that so it will be interesting to see it will be very interesting to see what we have now as a baseline and what we get next week as a bar. Will that bar be higher? Will that bar be lower? It is obviously higher, but will those players meet that higher bar come next week? And that's what I'm going to be very, very much into looking for next week. I don't want to talk about the defense all too, too much. I will mention two players. I will mention two players real quick. Mac Wilson looks fast 
He looks like he's got the speed of a cornerback and a linebacker's body. That is refreshing. Something we haven't had in a long time. Number two, Joan Williams, not good. And I know if you guys remember, you guys could point here and point fingers and say, Oh, but Murph, you wanted the Patriots to keep him on the roster last year because he was going to be your only cornerback come next year. That is true. I did say that. I did say that. Because when they signed Jalen Mills last year, he was a safety, cornerback, slot corner. He was a, a Swiss Army Knife, a dual threat. Or oh, kind of a dual threat. But he didn't have a home at cornerback at that time. We didn't know if he was going to play safety. We didn't know if he was going to play slot. We didn't know if he was going to play in the box or cornerback. Joan Williams is a cornerback. And yes, you had J.C. Jackson. Yes, you had Jonathan Jones last year. But keep this in mind. Jonathan Jones is your slot corner. Different position than your regular cornerback. J.C. Jackson clearly didn't come back. So you do have a huge hole to fill. You went out and you signed Malcolm Butler. You went out, um, I guess you did, you know, last year you traded for Sean Wade. Who's the other guy? Um, you drafted Jack Jones. You brought in Malcolm Butler. There's one more I can't think of. Um, I'm trying to think. There's another guy that's starting to look good. Oh, Terrace Mitchell. So, as you know, you got to take it with a grain of, th- grain of salt. You do. And, oh, by the way, this Terrace, Terrence Mitchell is a different Terrence Mitchell. I remember I sat here last week, or I think it was last week, and I was saying, like, oh, I hate Terrence Mitchell because, you know, a game against the, the Bills, I think it was, he just let up a touchdown or he wasn't in the right spot and he let up a touchdown. That was a different player. I thought his name was Terrence Mitchell, and it might be, I think it's like Terrence something. Terrence Wilson or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But he's not on the roster anymore. He was a safety, I believe, positionally. But this Terrence Mitchell guy is a completely different guy. So it's not the same guy. So I do apologize for flaming this guy last week. Undeservingly. Undeservingly flaming this guy. So apologies on me. I was confused. I was confused. But yeah, Terrence Mitchell starting to emerge. You have Malcolm Butler, Sean Wade, who you brought in. So those are three corners. Well, you brought him in last year to go against... Joe Juan Williams. So I think my take and my philosophy, my perspective on having to keep Joe Juan Williams, because he was the only guy that was going to have an idea of what the system's like come the season, come next season, being now this season, was valid. I think it was valid. Now you can get rid of the damn guy. Oh, plus he was a second round pick, but you didn't want to waste that. But Belichick doesn't draft well when it comes to cornerbacks or even wide receivers. So hopefully Tyquan Thornton pans out, knock on wood. And you don't want to, you didn't want to cut a second round pick in year two. But hey, now we're in year three. He still sucks. So now you can get rid of him. But that is everything that I want to talk about in today's episode. No, I'm not talking about the Red Sox. I'm in a good mood. Patriots preseason game number one. A lot of good takeaways. A lot of bad takeaways as well. But they're building blocks for next week. Those building blocks will become, you know, more building blocks for the third week. I'm not talking about the Red Sox. They're a colossal mess. They can't beat the Royals. They can't beat the Braves. It's just abysmal. 
I'm done with I'm done with the Red Sox for now. Unless something dramatically turns around in the last what seven eight weeks of the regular season, I think there's like 50 games left. Count me out for the time being. I'd rather sit here and talk about Patriots, be in a good mood because we don't know what the Patriots are going to look like come the 2022 season. I know I'm not very high on them. I don't think they're a top seven team in the AFC. However, every team is zero and zero right now. Every single team is zero and zero. Every single team has a fresh, clean slate, including the Patriots. So we don't know what the season's going to turn out to be. If they start the season two and six, then yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, ding ding, I'm out. Then we'll talk about the Celtics. Then we can talk about the Bruins. But whatever, we're talking Patriots right now, as the 2022. NFL season is kind of sort of underway. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 154 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really appreciate you guys downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio platforms. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you listen to this video or this episode on YouTube, Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. Comment any questions, comments, concerns down below in the comment section as I'd love to read and reply to any and every comment to start a discussion. But lastly, most importantly, please consider hitting that giant red subscribe button as I will greatly appreciate the love and support. But like I said, that will do it for today's episode. You can find me on social media at Murph's Car Town on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook as well. Have an excellent weekend. Is fall coming? Like, I mean, I feel like since Tuesday, we've had fall days, and it's still summer for until September 21st. I'm not about this. You guys know that. I hate the cold weather, and it's getting chillier. I mean, it's nice today, but it's cooled down like 20, 25 degrees out, and I hate it. I love the heat. I want the heat. <laughs> That's going to do it, guys. I'll catch you next week. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always see you.